Hey guys, today we have Khyati Mashru Asani with us. She's a chartered wealth manager and a successful women entrepreneur with over a decade of experience in the financial space. Uh, she has trained over 3000 people uh, in personal finance and is the founder and chief financial coach for Plantrich and Vama Plantrich. Uh, in this episode we talk about how to manage your money investing in the stock market some of the strategies that you can apply to your own personal finance um i thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with kyati uh, and i'm sure you would too so stick around if you'd like to know the building blocks of personal finance and how to be financially independent so we have kyati mashru with us and let's understand her journey hi kyati thanks for joining everyone. It's it's absolutely a pleasure to be here. So uh, l- let's dive in. Uh, t- tell us uh, what is uh, your startup about, uh, the Plant Rich Consultancy, and right. if you could also so, give us some background about, uh, you know, where you're coming from. Yeah. So since you've asked me to give you a background, I'm going to start with. Uh, I mean, it was a very strange incident that happened. I was actually in uh, second year of my graduation. and uh, that's when a friend comes to me uh, you know that she was she was one year senior to me and she comes to me and she tells me that uh, i have actually got to go uh, to the us urgently because of some family emergency and the work i'm doing is not replaceable so and they need a replacement like in immediately so i want you to just help me and i want you to join in my place just for like 3 to 4 months till they are able to uh, you know have another person join in uh i understood what she's asking for and then i'm like okay let let's you know try there's no harm trying um and she gave me the address and it was actually cnbc avas so i ended up joining cnbc avas as a contract employee because undergraduates were not allowed to be uh, you know on payroll program my only job was to answer the uh, queries received on money control portal so my job was to take note of the queries go to the analyst go to the financial planners take answers for that and type and reply to them that was all that i was doing there but what happened was i mean in that 25 to 30 days i worked with uh, cnbc avas i realized that financial literacy is is very very poor in the country and yes this is something uh, where i would like to make a difference to people and that's what gave birth to plantrich so before i completed my graduation like right immediately after quitting cnbc i launched plantrich and after launching i went ahead i completed all the you know regular uh, necessary certifications uh, required to practice wealth management in india so that's how it began and uh, and that i mean coincidentally i was reading this book called rich dad poor dad at that time so it all worked very well and that gave birth to plantrich so that's that's how it started what do we focus on uh, i believe that every individual and every family's money story is unique and it can be rewritten so you know irrespective what background you come from because i i truly believe that when it comes to money it is not just about the decisions that you're making right now it is about where are you coming from how have your parents uh, handled money incentives you how have you managed money how have you uh, seen your friends and relatives managing money you know how your parents have been talking about money incentives you all of that together is very very important and that has formed your psychology with money and that is the reason you make the decisions what you are making today probably if you scared of investing in equity if you scared of uh you know investing in bitcoins if you there are some people who only invest in equity actually 
feelings related to their past because of which they are what they are. So what we do is we get into details of where they are coming from. We understand their psychology with money because I believe money management is beyond numbers. You know, it is more about managing emotions of a person with money. It is about managing their greed and fear with money. So we understand that we get into that core. So it's that's why I say that you know I specialize in discovering financial DNA of an individual. And after discovering, we go on uh, to that journey of changing it. You know, and then hence rewriting every family's money story. So that's what that's how Planted started, and this is what we do. Just I mean, just to give you like in a brief. Wow, that's that's beautiful. Rewriting family's money story, and I think. uh coming again from a background where you know in indian families like money is not something people discuss very openly people don't want to like talk about it or if there is any issue or there is something good happening they would still want to keep it to themselves and i think that's the that's a transition that our generation is seeing now i think all of us are pretty open to talking about how we are using our money where we are investing and kind of uh building a different ecosystem around money and i think with right people on board or right teams that you have i think that's going to enhance the entire experience for sure yeah i mean we are we are on a mission like i've personally taken a mission to help 10000 families rewrite their money story so not not necessarily that they're all going to be clients with us but in some or the other way if i can teach them the basics of the personal finance if I, and if i can help them rewrite their money story i feel my mission will be achieved Wow, um, I'm gonna jump into a very personal situation here, but this is something that comes from observation. Um, I've seen a lot of women, including me, are uh, not taking a very strong control of their money and kind of relying either like starting as when you were a kid on your dad to like probably when you're married, your husband taking care of a lot of your money decisions. And it's not like you're shying away from it. It's just that probably it's not something that has been discussed so easily with you. that it comes naturally like probably shopping would come naturally but this is something that doesn't and how do you change that or how does uh, that change for women overall like how can you bring that entire dynamic change right right what you're saying is absolutely correct even at this point in time uh, like more than 50% of women are dependent either on their husband father brother you know to plan their finances and uh, it's it's said that women are not really interested in numbers you know they don't like to talk about numbers uh, but i i am very happy to see that that is changing women are now interested to take charge of their finances not just their finances because their husbands are busy you know with their jobs their businesses and uh, life itself has become so uncertain like especially during covid i have seen you know Uh, like families wanted to get together, and husband wanted to know wife financials. Wife wanted husband to know her financials, vice versa. So it is like family has to know what we are doing, why we are doing, you know, where all the money is stuck. Uh, I'm I'm not really sure, but uh, the unclaimed amount of money that is lying into different pool, like savings account, mutual funds, life insurance, it's it's huge. It's humongous. Like I have a data for India, but globally it's huge, and that is only because the financial literacy quotient is very very low. like probably few countries are on a you know slightly higher side but still i feel personal finance as a subject is not really taught in any school or colleges and that is it's like one thing which is very very mandatory thing to learn but yes as as i said that you know it's changing women are now interested they are starting to uh, take interest in managing their own finances their family's finances 
and hiloni what i have observed is they are they are very very great managers like if i give them a plan that you're not supposed to spend more than x amount of money they come back to me saying that yes we managed to do this uh so yeah i mean with with all your respect but i feel women are better at money management uh, you know as compared to men and in terms of how it is getting changed i feel that yes uh, you know that that now the media has also become uh, uh, quite uh, about this thing that on social media also we keep on observing a lot of things so now women are coming forward and it's changing and i feel the best thing is when i update them about the figures like you know when i tell them that this is how your family is doing and this is a shortfall if your family has a goal to retire if your family has a you know goal to go on a cruise or go on a world tour or if you send want to send your child for a higher education this is the shortfall and this is the kind of money that you want, need to save so i think when i'm giving them the reality check you know that's when uh, the interest level increases and they want to ensure that they are on top of it uh especially when it comes to managing homes you know they they are really good at it they're more organized that is uh, and same thing when it comes to the finances i feel uh, they're better managers and not just that but when uh, they do, when financial planning as a as an exercise when it's done together uh, i mean the results are brilliant because entire family is into it and you know it's a journey financial planning or rewriting a family's money story it's it's a complete process it's not like a transaction so it's a journey where uh, we always suggest that you know it's better if you work together understand each other have a joint family goal have a joint vision plan and that's how it will become easier so i think it's only education continuous education is something which can change this perspective of women getting more and more aware and starting to take charge of their finances i think goldman sachs or one of the bigger banks did a study on to compare like women fund managers versus men fund managers and and i think over a 20 year period women fund manager outperformed men uh, yeah. by like a good margin so yeah yeah absolutely i think women uh, fund managers uh, have uh, a better track record um yeah. so like uh, talking about the the um, the money story right like what do you ask generally like uh, your uh, clientele and what what sort of clientele do you work with and what kind of yeah. how do you begin pulling that thread sure so i work with anybody who's keen on rewriting their money story so any family who says yes we want to rewrite our money story is a client for us so that is number one uh, the age group doesn't really matter in terms of the life situation it doesn't really matter the only thing is we require that will because you know even when it comes to maximizing your wealth or you know changing your money habits first you i mean the first step has to be taken by you it's like take the first step and we take the rest 99 that's what we always tell our clients so yes i mean uh, there, there is no fixed set of audience so anybody who's interested in rewriting their money story can become a client with us and in in terms of what kind of questions do we ask like uh, just just to tell you uh, uh, the way it goes is like we usually spend a month before onboarding a client we spend a month with a client like there are n number of interactions that happen with client before we finally decide to onboard a client the reason is as i said it's it's like a long journey so it's very it's very very important uh, that you know mentally uh, we gel well and we are on the same page because it's it's not easy to onboard a client and then pulling out the investments and then going down to some other planner it's very difficult for us it's very difficult for clients so what we do is in the first one month uh, we set up about three to four meetings and as i said earlier we try to understand the psychology with money with the help of different 
uh, question, like different interaction. Like the first question that I always ask a family or an individual is, "What is success according to you?" And trust me, uh, like there ha- there have rarely been any like two same answers. For some people, it is you know people feel financial planning is about creating five hundred crores or example like you know creating million and billion of rupees. No, it's not that. Like some families come back to us and say that uh, just just having a you know a decent amount of medical insurance, having good good enough amount to take care of our goals, and having a decent home, a decent farmhouse, and a good car, and a good quality life. So that is success according to us. Somebody might come and say that oh I would want to be CEO of that company someday, and for me that is going to be success. Some people define it as you know I should be able to do. a good amount of uh, charity so like you know a huge huge amount of philanthropy in my life and that is success according to me uh, and that is precisely the reason uh, you know i it i feel that managing finances is something which is highly customized so that's like a first thing that goes to that's the first first question that goes to client and planning is not just about uh, planning for your future it's about striking a right balance between present and future like there are times when you know uh, like we all are in that rat race we don't really know what to do just going on and on and on and you know we don't know where to stop like there are times when we have to tell that oh you saving more than required according to your lifestyle lifestyle please start spending money now like live in your present now you know you want to go for that vacation don't wait till 2025 please go now you can afford to do it now and you need it now more than 3 or 4 years later it's it's like people talk about going on a world tour but then we come back to them and say that okay you doing a world tour with your wife at an age of 70 you're not really going to enjoy it. you know let's let's prepone that goal you should try and do that when you're 45 it will be more i mean it will be more fun it will be worth the money that you're spending so it's about defining success for them it's about helping them understand where they are now it's about helping them understand where they really want to be in life you know because there there is no goal post like for a lot of some like all the organizations that people work with uh, the organizations have their vision plan on place like where they want to be 5 10 15 20 years down the line but when i ask an individual when i ask a family like what is your vision plan what is your business plan i mean they don't have answer to it so having your financial plan is like having your own business plan in place having a vision plan for your family for next 15 20 or 25 years in place so it's about helping them discover where they want to reach what's their destination and then preparing a road map for them and not just that and after that we get into choosing the vehicles like okay if you want to reach your in 15 years and you want like zero risk then probably we'll you know get on to debt investments you have to reach in 7 years we don't have a choice we will have to mix equity and debt and you will have to take a bit of risk so it's about understanding where they are now where they want to be and how can they reach there so that's that entire one month of process where we get into detail understand the client then if things i mean the mentally if i think i'll be able to onboard a client and we'll be able to work for next 10 20 30 years together that's when we onboard a client for a long term and all your clients are long term clients you don't onboard anyone for like 2 years 3 years or something like that it's always 10 20 years time frame it's always like that because as i said wealth maximization wealth creation is a journey i mean and i i don't really believe in shortcuts there are no no shortcuts when it comes to this so there are we do get a lot of clients saying oh if you can manage to give us 30 and 40% return and you know double my margin fee or i can give you like a huge 
script to manage. But no, I, I mean, I'm not a magician. That's not something that I can do. It's a calculated risk. It's a calculated effort that we take. And it's a journey where clients, as in we work together with you and we achieve your goal. It's not something that you just give us your money and we do whatever we want with it and come back and double your money. So there are clients, we do get that kind of inquiries, but we deny, like that's not something that I specialize in. No, that makes sense. Um, talking, uh, something you brought up initially, like in terms of um, couples, right? So like, I just wanted to ask um, if there's a newlyweds, uh, like Heloni, for example, right? So what are some common pitfalls that you've seen or observed that, newlywed couples they should be careful about or some advice that you will have sure so uh, newlyweds so basically uh, one more thing i would like to highlight on uh, so i i do keep writing articles for uh, uh, different uh, regional daily newspapers and print media uh, i had written an article that you know before you get married actually you should have this discussion like you a couple should go to a financial planner or a financial counselor and it's very, very important uh, that you're, I mean, the financially you are thinking alike because if both are thinking completely different, uh, it, it's actually going to create a lot of mess. So uh, in terms of advice, I would always suggest first, like, you know, before you get decide to get married or if you just married, sit together, discuss your finances. Like, uh, we have enough clarity on financial habits what is what are the responsibilities that you're going to share and what is the kind of saving uh, that you know each one of you is going to do are you going to be having joint goals like there are some couples who come to us and say that you know probably your husband says i'm going to start planning for a retirement the wife says okay i'm going to plan for my kids education so they distribute goals and they don't really want uh, they don't want each other to interfere in their finances that's fine that's that's also perfectly okay and there are some couples who come to us and say that, no, this is an amount of money we're going to save, which we're going to put it in a joint account. And from there, we start planning for our joint goals. And then individually, we would plan for our individual financial uh, financial goals, like maybe a girl trip that I would want to take every two to three years, something like that. So I would suggest number one thing, please discuss your finances openly. It's something which is, it's mandatory these days. Like no longer we're living in that world where, but the responsibilities is uh, you know managed by one person so it's, it's no longer that have enough clarity second go to a financial planner and have a financial plan like take a professional help it is something which really helps in long term uh, and third as i said that you know have have enough clarity in terms of who's going to manage which financial goal like just to give you an example uh, recently i met with a couple uh, and I mean, they were not, they were probably in their late 40s. Yeah, late 40s. Uh, husband said that, you know, I just want to keep saving the money. He saved a huge amount of money, a huge profit. And when I spoke to uh, his wife, uh, she says that uh, what is success? Success is if I'm able to go and take one nice holiday every year. Success is that if I like something for my home and I can buy it up without thinking. So the problem was, uh, husband was not really okay with it that you know we spend money on things that are not really required and why says these are the small little things which some which i get pleasure so for me these things are very very important and honestly uh, they have been living together for almost more than more than 15 16 years now but they had never never really spoken about it like husband was not even aware that this is the missing piece and this is how she wants it so i feel that you know talking it out like very openly you need to discuss uh, I mean, what are the financial goals? 
how are you going to spend your money how are you going to save your money it that is something which is going to make a make a huge difference yes absolutely i mean what you said is spot on and i think this is something i would say first and i've been experiencing but i have like few starter questions like this is something that we me and my husband ended up discussing when we first got into this but i don't know if that was the right answer so i would rather have some expert tell me so starting with like is it better to have joint accounts or is it better to have your individual accounts like it was we didn't know like what is the right one right so as i said both are right so if you both are people who would want to plan for your goals jointly together you can have a joint account and start planning from there if you don't want to interfere in each other's finances and you know heloni you might just say that okay i'm going to plan for uh, the next trip that we're going to have uh, prayer can say that okay i'm going to start working on my retirement plan while you start working on the short term goals it's okay as long as there's a clarity you can think and i mean you can plan to keep your finances separate but still because you are you're working on uh, common goals you still on same page you know irrespective what you're spending and what you're earning as long as you're planning for goals it's perfectly okay Got so it. it's both are right i mean it completely depends on what you are comfortable with okay the second one that i have for you is there are joint expenses right when you run a house or you pay rent or you pay your bills um these are like certain expenses you do together or you do a trip or go out for a meal but what happens is there is an income difference most of the time between couples it's never going to be the same so what is advisable do you do it in the ratio if you have to like be equal partners right suppose and would you do it as per ratios or would you do equally or would one person take care of it like what's what's a recommended way i would say everybody would have their preferences but what would be recommended right right so as you rightly said uh, you know there is going to be uh, a difference in income very rarely it would be like both are earning equal uh, so what i would suggest is put down all your expenses like your joint expenses you know on just one excel sheet and then probably you can bifurcate like okay weekends we spending this i'm going to take care of the weekends somebody uh, i mean you probably your husband can say that okay i'm going to take care of the utility bills and if he earns i'm just giving an example if at all he's earning a larger sum he can take care of the rent and the utilities or vice versa and you can say that okay i'll take care of the weekends and smaller set of expenses like the groceries uh, you know the fruits the vegetables etc the daily household things the best is to put down the expenses and take responsibility for each head so you know that okay if, if this is the expense if this is a head this i need to swipe my card alternatively if it comes uh, into prerogative to manage it then he has to swipe his card so i think that's that's how it is okay i'm going to hop on to a very interesting one it's it's generally of the elephant in the room but you know when it comes to like our generation it's not like the girl doesn't anymore have to take care of her parents uh it's it's like both set of parents are what you need to take care of so how do you come to a discussion about what amount of responsibility would you share or how would you share the financial responsibility taking care in personal sense is very different but both families would be from a different background they would have different different financial plannings that they would have done so how do you bring up something like this and discuss it like what is the recommended way to go about it right so as i said uh, it is always better to discuss on your financial uh, responsibilities right in the beginning like uh, you know very clearly i i i know that yes i have to take care of my parents not that uh, they want me to do it but i feel it's my responsibility equally you know it's not just my brother's responsibility to take care of them 
so uh, i like from the day we got married we sat down like after we came back from a holiday we sat down we discussed on our finances and i was very clear that yes this is the amount of money that i earn out of this much is my personal expenses please don't question me where i go how much i spend shopping how much i spend my fine salon so don't question me that another thing is uh, money that i spend for my parents so this is an amount of money which i am continue uh, to spend for them or continue to save for them and their future probably they might not need money from me but yes i might send them for a one good holiday every year that is something which i would want to do so again no questions there and this is the amount of medical insurance that they have and i would like to pay for it on a yearly basis so i think i i just clarified it in the beginning that you know these are the things i take care of and in terms of i i was very clear like even uh, in terms of time yes i will you know go and spend two three days a month with them not just that but yes whenever they need me i'm going to be available so i think what what helps is a clear communication so from day one when you have that expectation yes this is what i'm going to take care of it makes it it makes it easier and not just that alone in fact the generation that we are in is called a sandwich generation so basically what happens is we have to take care of ourselves we have to take care of our kids and we have to take care of our parents going go back to one previous uh, generation like let's talk about our parents like they had to take care uh, as in take care of us and they like that sort of people never really worried about their retirement like if you see you know they spent everything for son's education daughter's wedding and they're like okay my son will take care of me they never never really had to think on buying their own home because they were you know same with their parents the joint family so those things were working hard when you when you say like 15 20 25 years prior but it's different now it's different for our generation and talk about like if i talk about my daughter ridya i'll know that yes she's just going to take care of herself she's not going to take care of us not that she would not want to but probably the situation the competition would be such that and their expenses would be so high that even if they wanted they'll not be able to so i mean it's it's a very interesting time that we living in and our generation the millennials so called millennials right now we have to i mean we call the sandwich generation yeah that is so true um and uh, maybe changing a subject a little bit to maybe a morbid but a very important uh, subject uh, do you uh, talk to your clients uh, or even how important it is to form a will right like uh, asking forming a will for yourself and also maybe talking to your parents about that it is better to form a will than than letting uh, things up in the air so what are your thoughts about right. that and how do you handle that right so will is something which is very very important like we uh, we always tell our clients planning your finances it's like you know it's a building building a pyramid like we know that pyramid lasts for many years just because base of the financial pyramid base of the pyramid is very strong it's something similar when it comes to your finances it's about having a very strong base and only when my financial foundation is very strong i can move on to you know take the other steps of the pyramid so when i talk about the foundation at this uh, first thing that comes into that is having enough of emergency fund to be prepared for uncertainties of life having enough life insurance so that because i mean you financially are responsible so in your absence your family does not suffer having enough medical insurance uh you know medically you have to be well covered and the fourth most important thing is having a will so will basically is a foundation of your finances because if someone uh i mean you you've done all of it for your family you've created these assets uh you know for them to have a good life in your absence but uh, if if one dies intestate without writing a will 
uh, it will be divided as per uh, the law in a particular country the land i mean if it's in india it's as per hindu succession law if it's other country it's is basically the uh, land uh, the land law which comes into existence and according to that it is distributed so it is it is the most important thing people feel if i don't have wealth like only after i have a huge amount of wealth i'll start writing my will but that's not that's not true and you should not really wait irrespective what uh, size your portfolio is you should still go ahead and write your will so that you know your your wealth is distributed the way you want your family lives the life the way you want and it goes to the person that you thought of and you had planned for so yeah it's absolutely important and is that something they have to sit with the lawyers to do or uh, a, a wealth uh, manager can also do that wealth manager can also do that it's not just that uh, even now there are a lot of online portals uh, that help you write your will if it is simple and not a complicated will you can just go pick up a normal will template you can write your will take a print out and just keep it you know uh, will necessarily did not be registered it is okay if your will is not registered but i always recommend it if you writing a will make it register it you know it always has that uh, i mean legal binding when you register it cool um switching gears a bit so we covered the couple right couple side of it now like just asking if someone who has just graduated and they have the power of compounding to their side because they're starting early right so what advice would you have for someone who has just started like who has just graduated and they have started earning uh what would you tell them to do like three things that they should take care of so uh, three things one is you start like start now as in you started earning start at that very moment irrespective even if you're able to say 5% 10% that's perfectly okay but start because as you rightly said power of compounding the eighth wonder of world and albert einstein said he who understands it enjoys it he who doesn't would pay for it so one is start now uh second i would say uh, don't miss on your wealth wild card that is equity investments if you're young make sure to invest in equity and that's actually going to be a wild card for your finances okay and uh, it's like why i said start now is because procrastination is a silent killer it will actually kill your wealth and you won't even come to know till what extent it starts killing your wealth so start immediately have uh, you know equity because that's something which is very very important and have a very strong financial foundation like go for a life and a medical insurance have educate life and medical insurance cover because when, if you buy when you're younger you get it uh, much cheaper so it's it's always better that you start and buy those things early so uh, do you have like a recommendation or a framework of the uh, percentages of how much should they save how much should they spend uh, because like like you said right we uh, like maybe i'm over generalizing but uh indians have a tendency of saving 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 they don't know how to spend so if they know like i i just need to save this many percent they can probably uh, learn how to spend other yeah right right so there's this rule called 50 30 20 i'm not sure if you've heard about that uh so spend 50% of your money on your needs okay which is like a basic necessity spend 30% of your money on your wants so things that you want to do it's not that you need to do maybe go and uh, you know buy that uh, cell phone maybe just go for that weekend trip with your friends uh, throw that party on your 25th birthday so probably that comes in the 30% and uh, the remainder of 20% is what you need to save 
not just save but invest yeah that is so important right like just yeah just say saving that 20% will is not enough like it'll eat away inflation will eat it away but uh, exactly. how uh, so that feeds into the next question uh, what are some of the like investment vehicles that maybe uh, let's take the two examples right like someone who's just graduated should invest in um, and someone who is like a couple maybe like working for a few years uh, what what should their portfolio allocation probably looks like right so uh, this is a general thumb rule uh, 100 minus your age whatever the answer is that amount of money should go in equity rest of it should be in debt okay so if there's someone who's as you said 25 probably 75% of the money that they're saving should go into equity the best way is to start it through mutual fund sips and the remainder of 20% can go into debt probably a ppf uh, uh, you know to begin with because in india i mean that's a sovereign guarantee you get 7.5% it's tax free if not that you can look at some other debt investments uh, which which probably will uh, give you a stability you know because equity is obviously slightly on a higher side when it comes to risk but that 25% can give you a bit of stability and as you said for uh, for a younger couple like uh, probably double income no child we call them dink couples so if you're talking about someone like that uh, probably they can be they can be aggressive with their money because they don't really have much responsibilities but probably after having a child if they have a uh, home and they have an emi on that after that they need to uh, i mean reduce their risk exposure and again they can do 100 minus h and you know make sure that they have enough emergency fund like at least 6 months of their expenses and emi should be in liquid fund so that at any given point of time if there is any emergency they can just pull that out and uh, take care of those emergencies but what are your thoughts on like the modern investment means like bitcoins and nfts like there's definitely are equities and debts which people do but i think the millennials are currently seeking those options and probably like seeing better returns which is kind of making them make different decisions i agree i agree so yes i do have a lot of millennials i mean a uh, lot of our clients and they're you know they're kids who come to us and say they oh we want to invest in bitcoin which ones do you recommend how should we go about it uh, so it's not i'm not against bitcoin uh, but hello if we go into the history like i'm not sure if you've heard about south sea bubble i'm not sure if you've heard about chili pomanias so these are all uh, uh, you know the crisis the financial crisis which came in like they were it came in like chili pomania just to give you an example uh, so what happened is that there was the tulip flowers and the price of that tulip flowers actually uh, went up to crazy levels and i mean there was a shortage created people didn't know what to do and they spent all their money on just buying those uh, tulip bulbs and uh, i mean there was no underlying asset as such and then the value of that just i mean it it went to zero and uh, there are people who went actually bankrupt because of that so the reason why i'm giving you this example is uh, you know asset allocation is very very important so i'm not saying bitcoin Uh, is not something that you should go for or some aggressive investments that one must avoid but have because equity and debt at least have underlying assets like when you're investing in real estate you have a property when you're investing a, in a stock you have you have the company you know company whose stock you have purchased similarly when you're investing in debt it's a corporate paper of that company but when you're investing in a bitcoin it's a digital currency it's not i mean at this point in time it's not really regulated 
like when i talk about equity it's regulated by sebi if i'm talking about some debt instruments they get regulated by rbi uh, talking about gold as an asset class i mean it's as per the london metal exchange rates but when you talk about bitcoin it's still not regulated however there is a possibility that yes it will replace i mean the digital currency is going to be the way forward so i i tell people that yes invest small amount of money probably 5 to 7% of your total wealth is what you can uh, park in there and the money which if you lose uh, it shouldn't impact rest of your life or it shouldn't impact your portfolio so unless you're very sure on that asset class don't go all out but uh, one should not also miss the opportunity so put a small portion which even if you lose uh, you know will not impact your life got it one very interesting thing that you brought up is gold and i think i have been brought up always being told that gold is women's asset like that is one thing that women own and they can always rely on but again for me that is a very different story it's it's not some, the same way that we look at gold as our parents or our grandparents did so what is your take on gold investment and how should that be done in today's right day? right so gold i mean i believe that gold has to be a part of your portfolio at least 5% uh, because it gives you i mean it hedges your overall portfolio uh, not just that uh, but again uh, the major currencies at this point in time i mean it's it's with the gold you know that it's balanced uh, in future after uh, the dominance of digital currency uh, that will also change however uh, gold is something which is uh, i mean it's an asset which is like not something that can be created i mean it's subject to whatever is available in the world so i always suggest you should have at least 5% of your assets in gold like we had seen specifically at covid times uh like after the lockdown announcement in india markets went down your debt markets went down franklin as a fund house uh, suddenly overnight uh, they they shut about 6 to 7 of their schemes market was down by 50% uh, but gold gold was actually soaring and it went to 53 54 55000 levels so whenever an emergency like this comes in your gold prices are always going to be higher uh, at least the way currently the currencies are operating it is not going to be like that but in future when digital currencies uh, i mean get replaced uh, probably that scenario might change so i suggest having 5% and having digital exposure is more better than having a physical gold in form of sovereign gold bonds in form of gold mutual funds or gold etfs um also like again being selfish uh, a lot of our listeners are in us and uh, do you have like clients in us and like what would you suggest them should they invest only us in us if they are planning to live there forever or they should start like putting some money in india as well uh if they planning to live in us i would suggest uh, probably 70 to 75% of their money can continue to remain in us and 20 to 25% they can diversify in india because uh, the diversification in terms of uh, spreading your investments in different countries is also important at one point in time uh that is one reason the second reason why i'm saying major portion in us in spite india having a better growth prospects why am i saying that is uh, because uh, you know the taxation is not really very great like if you invest in india you actually if you're a us citizen you you are going to be even if you're a green card holder you're going to be taxed on your uh, entire global income and uh, post tax post uh, the, you know the dollar and the rupee changes that keep happening the currency depreciation it's it's not really going to be uh, a great investment in terms of the returns that you generate yeah yeah that that's what 
like uh, you know a lot of time people tell me like uh, you get 7% fd in india um and you get like 2% here at that if you're lucky you get 2% here so why don't you just send money to india and do an fd uh, but uh, i i think it, the the money depreciates equally like by every year if you look for a long term it will depreciate accordingly so there's no free lunch uh, am i missing something here or is that is you're that the case you're absolutely right i mean you're absolutely right if you if you uh, i mean if i consider the history for last uh, 25 to 30 years uh, 4% is the difference between the dollar and the rupee so it's like dollar and cents dollar dollar rupee it's 4% so 4% anyways because of the depreciation of rupee you're going to end up losing the taxes that you're going to end up paying i mean it right. eventually is going to boil down to same i had this debate with my uh, dad uh, like lic right should you have lic uh, or it's better to invest on fd that that premium that you're going to pay to the lic right what are your thoughts none you should not have anything in your portfolio no fd no lic well the reason is very simple at it uh, see it's like life lic it's like insurance the job of an insurance is to protect i mean give you a financial protection something goes wrong uh, to the bread owner of the family uh, you know that amount of money has to go into the family so that financially the life is not impacted that's the job of a life insurance policy and that can be done with a simple term plan now what happens in lic is they we have that uh, money back plan and that endowment plans and you pay huge amount of premium you get a very little coverage and when you uh, calculate the irr that you generating on that plan is 4 to 4.5% they end up saying lic tax we you know it might return milega 15 saal baad milega 25 saal baad milega it's fine i mean that's just 4% which means you're not even going to take care of inflation like in india you you talk, i mean we talk about 5 to 6% inflation so whichever country you're investing in uh, you at least have to make 3 to 4% more money than inflation then you are growing your wealth so compounded if you're getting that 4 5% year on year extra you're actually going to maximize your wealth you're going to uh, have more money than what your lifestyle is going to be and what your expenses are going to be so not even fds because fds at this point in time giving you 5 and a half to 6% return it is taxable so post tax it comes to 3 3.5% on i'm talking about person if falling into middle slab like not a higher slab but if in 20% kind of an income tax bracket and same with lic it's tax free but still is giving you 4.5 to 5% it gives you no liquidity irrespective of the situation you have to keep paying the premium so i mean i mean there is there is no flexibility i would rather suggest have a good strong term plan like having a policy for 10 or 15 lakhs is not really going to make any difference i mean 15 lakhs ka we buy a policy for 15 lakhs and few years down the line i mean that what value that 15 lakhs the value will anyways be eroded and it will be equivalent to 5 lakhs so right. go for a good term plan probably 2 3 4 crores as per your human life value rest of the money just spread it into pure equity and pure debt and that would work very well and that could create a healthy portfolio yeah that is that makes so much sense like uh putting it in equity right uh, especially for a lot of people is like they've seen the the at least from you know when i converse with my friends and like family members they have an image of uh, like you only make loss in stock market it's like gambling right so uh, how do you do you get uh, those questions uh, and how do you tackle those 
right so uh, as i said equity is a wild card and i i mean i'm usually i mean i'm more biased towards equity because i'm an equity lover and i have seen people creating wealth through equity and achieving their goals and that is the reason uh, when i speak i speak so passionately about equities so the best way to go about it is at least have a good equity sip like you have your mutual fund sip you can just pick and choose five to six good companies like for example if i come to you and say that uh, you know you, you've got to make uh, an organization like hindustan unilever or unilever for that matter uh at you know with the resources that you have in hand with the time that you have with the knowledge that you have you will not be able to build that however uh, through a systematic plan if i say that at least by the time you are 50 you need to have 0.002% stake in hindustan unilever or unilever it's very much possible so you know on a monthly basis you just go on accumulating two to three three shares and if you're going to consistently do that for next 20 25 years of your life by the time you retire the dividend income itself will take care of your expenses i mean i if you take uh, i mean i'm sure you would be aware about what was amazon 20 years back and what were apple stocks 20 years back and where they are now so i mean it's just like that and if you if you don't really understand which stock to buy best is you buy an index and if we compare where nasdaq was 20 years back and where it is now or if i compare nifty where it was 20 years back and now the average tagger the that it has generated is about 17 to 18% i mean that's that's huge so if you don't understand which stocks to buy just buy index just go for etfs and you cannot go wrong with it it's not about uh, you know making losses in equity it's about the time that one spends in the market people actually plan you know they try to time the market when it's low i'll buy when it's high i'll enter no even warren buffett has uh, not been able to time the market so the best thing is and um, you know spend that time in the market i mean if your horizon is 10 to 15 years you cannot go wrong with equities but if your horizon is 10 to 15 months you will definitely go wrong with equities so i think i mean it's just about picking and choosing the right thing if you understand go and pick good uh, stocks go for equity sip if you don't understand go for index go for etfs second second thing that you can do is uh, pick up a good diversified mutual fund spread your allocations into good large cap fund mid cap fund and a small cap fund don't go for thematic fund or you know don't go for cyclicals where you don't understand the businesses or where it's not possible for you to keep tracking it so just just do this and leave it for 15 20 years keep adding money on a monthly basis for sure you'll you'll make much more than what you've thought of Uh, so recently, like zero, that is something that has got very popular in India. And before this, I remember when I was growing up, you had like a broker who would make sure you sell on time and buy on time. Uh, what is your take with the younger generation adopting something like zero, that and still making like decent returns eventually? Yeah, I mean, uh, so obviously, zero is a wonderful platform. It's like a click of a button, irrespective of where you are. you're able to buy and sell in minutes there is no brokerage and uh, it's it's a very very user friendly interface and millennials they talk about young people they're so comfortable with technology they like to do things on their own rather than you know it's it's easier to just buy and sell on the app rather than calling a broker to buy and sell something and i mean there are no chances of errors like i was just just going through one data the other day and it said uh, zerodha manages 50 lakh accounts with uh, the team of only 1100 people whereas if you talk about i mean some other broker like i'm talking about a very very known broker uh, they manage 20 lakh account with a staff of 8000 so you can see how technology has replaced it you know 
and uh, i mean there's zero human human intervention only when you're not i mean technology is taking care of everything probably end this segment probably with this last question but you know generally like when you talk to a financial planner you always ask for tips and that's something that i'm also going to do but what are your top 3 uh shares or equity that you are currently investing in okay okay interesting question uh, so well uh, my favorite stock and the first pick will be pedilite because uh, i mean i i really love uh the corporate governance the way that companies come up and they specialize into what they do you know like a monopoly business they have 80% of the market share so long term bet and i'm in lo- i'm a long term investor i don't really look at short term gains so that is one second is cdsl again i like to invest in monopoly businesses so uh, cdsl is one that you can go for and uh, avenue supermarkets vmart so again that that's one one good stock which is expected to do very well in time to come not just that but uh, you know it said that each and every bmart store that they open up uh, the properties are owned like if because of the location if they have to lease a property they buy an equivalent amount of space for that equivalent amount somewhere else and then they uh, give it on rent and that rental income pays for this rent so the way their business model is uh, completely convinced that they're going to do well in future so yeah bmart pedilite and cdsl Let's move to the recommendation top three. Top three book recommendations: The Psychology of Money, Morgan Housel, Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad. That's like my favorite book. And Coffee Can Investing by Saurabh Mukherjee. So that talks about picking up the monopoly businesses. How to you know learn to pick up those monopoly businesses? Which are the financial planners that you follow, or like financial advisors? So uh, if I talk about international uh, financial planner, I'm not sure if you know MyPK. based out of us uh, a very good and a very renowned financial planner dev ramse i like his techniques uh, especially the methods of uh, you know the snowball method of uh, repaying the debt so i i mean i really like that thing that he says and obviously i mean i consist the warren buffett is an investor and not a financial planner but uh, i i really like his philosophy the long term investment bet uh charlie munger and he the way they have got together the way they pick up the com- uh, companies for the long or rather i would say they pick up the businesses for long term top 3 uh shows that you are currently watching like i would say netflix shows or anything that tells us more so, un- <laughs> unfortunately i don't really get time uh, because i'm a new mother so i barely work 7 hours a day and rest of my time goes with her so while we talk she's just coming so <laughs> uh yeah but uh, i can i can actually recommend few movies that i really like one is the founder uh, that's a mcdonald story and i and i really like uh, the way they put up the entire story uh, recently there was uh, one show uh, the scam 1992 uh, that apparently beat the international records also so that did uh, that is one which i had watched recently and uh, obviously uh, the very famous the wolf of wall street That's again a movie, not a series, but yeah, lots to learn about how market functions. Alright, I think we are going to let you go from here, and we are going to let you take care of your kid as well. But this was an amazing conversation, and tr- trust me, it was like a lot of learning for me as well. So personally, I gained a lot, and I'm sure our audience is gonna as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me on the show, and I will look forward. <laughs>